Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Nick Hare and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing the final series of Game of Thrones. So first of all, have we all watched it? Yes. Yeah. Good. That's a good start. Um, I guess spoiler alert for people who haven't, though. Yes, I think that's about right. Uh, let's cut straight to it. Chris, did you enjoy it? Uh, yes, I did. Um, I, I and um, I think you know, there's been a lot of debate about whether or not it was a good ending. Um, and for me, it was it was perfectly okay. I don't, I'm certainly not one of these people who's you know kind of sending death threats to the to the you know the screenwriting team or or whatever um my only problem generally with the the progress of the whole thing is i found the last two seasons because they were driving to a conclusion were not as satisfactory as everything that that preceded it they they felt rushed lots more had to happen a bit concertinaed a bit concertinaed and therefore you lost all of those subtleties and, and nice bits of dialogue and random little side stories that you know uh, um, that you that you but it's very hard to see how they could have avoided that I, I agree right. I mean that's the thing it's like you know you, you you have that sense of they have to shift gear uh, or- you know they've got to put the brakes on uh, and so the excitement that you get from the opening of new character arcs and you know discovering new aspects of well, they've got to st- actively pr- stop that happening so, yeah, it's going to feel very different. I mean, one thing I sort of felt, uh, yeah, in that last one was I actually missed um, being transported from Westeros one moment to the, the wall in a moment. But exactly as you say, you've, that's part of the characters all coming together. Mm-hmm. And actually that's part, place, of yeah. the, part of the, um, you know, all those threads sort of coming back together. But that's part of it. Um, did you enjoy it, Nick? Yeah, I, th- I um, did actually, M- much more so than I was expecting to. I think partly because some of the things that happened, it did feel a bit like, um, you know, it wasn't spectacularly neat always, you know, and that's that's one of the hallmarks of Game of Thrones. What sets it apart is that they don't do things because, you know, that is how stories work. They do things because you get the sense that they do things because it's sort of realistic, um, whatever that means in the world of Westeros. And I did, I thought, well, it's not totally, it's not like everything's sewn up, you know. Actually, it's quite an interesting way to end. And the, But there was this nice, what I liked about it was the, the sort of denouement, you know, that the, here they are all going back to their day-to-day business. Actually felt very, um, it, it was a nice domestic feeling to it, you know, seeing the small council running and people just going about their business mm. again. Um, that was great. I think the only bit I was disappointed by was the death of... Um, uh, Cersei, Cersei, and her lover stroke, um, Jamie. Yeah, I thought that I, I'd, I'd, I'd felt. I think I was looking for a bit more. Right, kind and of... that's what I mean. So that's like I was expecting them to have survived, so that there could be something more climactic, and there yeah. wasn't. That right. was how they died, and I was like, "Yeah, well, in real life, that's kind of how people sure. die." So okay. yeah, good. So let's broaden this out. Well, I mean, um, we feel that that. Yeah, amongst us three, we feel that I, I mean, I felt satisfied by. Yeah, it. And actually, let's just say that is a very that's quite not a mainstream opinion. I mean, I mean, most people think uh, it was contrived. 
That's okay. the complaint that people have is it is contrived. It goes against some of the sort of values, the high, you know, values of realism and world building. And and so, you know, people weren't happy about it generally. So, yeah, I think what we're going to talk about is what makes what makes a good ending. Right. Yeah. 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 So what does I mean, I think part of it and we're almost using it in, interchangeably here is is feeling satisfied. Um, so, yeah. Well, what does make for a good ending? Let's talk about that. Chris. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think. For me, first of all, you've got to think, what is a story for, right? So why why do we use stories? What are we trying to do with them? And if you look at the the sort of, you know, some of the theoretical um, approaches to, to why humans are storytelling creatures, um, you know, stuff, stuff um, kind of thought through by people like um, Jonathan Gottschall, uh, that essentially what we're doing with stories is two things. We are... Um, engaging in vicarious learning so you know we don't need to have been attacked by a lion to know a lion is dangerous if somebody tells us a story about having been attacked by a lion we we learn that from somebody else's experience and the second thing is social conformity like encouraging people to stick to a set of rules by setting a sort of moralistic story and um uh kind of infecting them with ideas about what is good and wrong through through a story so if you sort of um uh, you know accept uh that then the ending so if they're if effectively their their um utility is about passing on information the end what what is the ending about well the ending for me is um where you actually find out the outcome right it's where most of the information value in the story comes from it's like some stuff happened but then this this outcome occurred and that's what i take away from it there was some stuff and it caused this thing here and that's what i've learned or this is what i now need to uh these are the lessons i now need to adhere adhere to um mm-hmm. so that's why the 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 kind of ending is um uh, is is so important and you know what stories do is through um sort of the evocative creation of the of the world and the characters they make you feel like you are in them so the more engaging the story is the more memorable it becomes and the more likely you are to heed its lessons in 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 the future and the ending is where you get that payoff and a lot of that sort of resonance comes comes through Mm -hmm. nick yeah i mean i agree either storytelling is adaptive and i the only slight dissatisfaction i have with the sort of what chris was spelling out there about you know uh we we like doing it i suppose the the argument storytelling is useful because we it's a way of simulating the world and we learn from it is that doesn't explain why we would have a preference for anything other than a realistic ending right what we would prefer if we were using it really to learn stuff is endings where you know someone gets eaten somebody else uh you know uh, dies of a heart attack and then some random guy you've never heard of becomes king and it ends <laughs> and that that's what happens in real life yeah but but i mean you know so um 
for whatever reason, uh, we do. We like story. And I think there are two, certainly looking at sort of some of the competing theories for what, what makes a good ending, you know, from within the kind of creative writing community, what do they say? Um, that you have major, co- the major sort of conflict is resolved uh, and the results are discovered, which ties into what Chris was saying. That elements throughout the stories are used, you know, that, that we want to see um, the end result being uh, actually being a result of something that we've been doing the whole way through in some sense um so it needs to be meaningful yeah and but but that it also results in some way from the actions of the main characters um and of course that it has emotional meaning so that the end the, the ending is different we kind of prefer the ending that happened or in some sense the ending that happened uh, is meaningfully different from other endings that could have happened um there's also I've seen one guy in the New Yorker arguing about, you know, that actually all endings are a kind of closer or a clincher um, that closers are uh, just where the storylines end. Everyone is paid off and and the, the, the thing ends um, versus the clincher where they all come together. Everything comes together in a kind of climax. Um, but I think personally, I think that's missing. That's these, these are kind of in world. What makes a satisfying ending? You know, what what? plots make a satisfying ending but i think there are some other necessary conditions and uh, this ties in probably to to the game of thrones thing here um which is that we also want consistency we want the ending to be consistent like in terms of tone in terms of the way the characters behave and their knowledge and so on like those are sort of the meta level things that we also want to be true We, we don't just want that kind of neat ending we want also to feel like the neat ending works within within the the world that the story is taking place in. which reinforces your your theory about uh you know stories having to be realistic we we suspend our disbelief you know obviously we know there aren't dragons and uh you know um uh, magic and walking zombies and so on uh, but within we suspend our disbelief about those things. But what we don't suspend our disbelief about is the behaviour of the characters in there. If somebody does something that's totally against their character, that that really jars. And so, so within the world, we accept we accept that as an allegory of our of our world. But we want the rest of it to feel realistic, so that we can so that we can learn from it. I guess. Just one question, which is, uh, I just wonder just how kind of Western culture centric we're being with this, because don't get me wrong, I'm not a big um, expert or aficionado of, let's say, Asian cinema, for example, or storytelling. But one of the things I like is that it can be a little bit more nuanced than we're used to in in, in UK, US. So, um, and I'm not necessarily talking about endings, but also, for example, if you're familiar with... um, there's a Japanese animator. Um, what's his name? He, I think he the Howl's Moving Castle ha- was yes. one of them. Yeah. I um, I, but I don't think... It, I can't remember if it's that one or another one. Um, but anyway, a lot of his films are very similar. And what I like about them is it's not very clear cut in terms of black and white and yeah. who is good and who is bad. It's much more ambiguous. Um, ambiguous. Yeah. And I suspect it might be like that with the endings as well. Well, no, I th- I, well he is, I think, going slightly against um, a kind of received wisdom that people like happy endings or, you know, that we like everything to be neat and tidy. 
I think it's more complicated than that because I looked at what, um, according to an IMDb poll, mm-hmm. what are the most iconic endings ever? And I tried to sort of classify them into open versus closed. One of them is going to be, um, you know, God. Casablanca. Yeah, there we go. Gone Sooner with the for wind. the rest of your life, which is definitely an open one. Yeah. Right. So, so you've got, I, I thought, well, open, closed. So open endings being where you're not really actually totally sure what the outcome is going to be. Um, happy versus sad. Uh, basically, does it work out well for them or not? Expected versus twist. So is that is this ending, the, you know, more or less where we were going the whole way through? And um, there is no consistency at all. I mean, you can find pretty much even split of, of each of those. So you have, um, you know, open endings, uh, which would be Butch Cassidy, uh, yeah. The Usual Suspects, Inception, all regarded as um you know fairly uh fairly open things and then real sort of closed ones like citizen kane um life is beautiful planet of the apes where there is a closure at the end uh, and then and then you have kind of uh happy v sad so uh, and, and again Shawshank redemption happy ending it's a wonderful life um uh, happy ending but then you've got sad endings you've got you know your dr strange love where the world gets destroyed life, Romeo life and Juliet. is yeah life is beautiful um uh of course where the main character dies uh and like likewise with twists you know you can find i mean you know some of them are just really straightforward and and kind of telegraphed um like the godfather uh and uh some of them are some of them are twists like um you know the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, or uh, which you, you know, I suppose you could classify as a twist, or of course the usual suspects or Sixth seven. Sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, uh, yeah. What I'm saying is, actually, there isn't a kind of ending that we all think is great. That actually we are prepared to accept endings that come in quite different flavors. And I think that's probably reflective of the fact that uh, there are all kinds of different outcomes that we might. Mm. experience and that you know some sometimes sometimes we do uh end up you know um with what we require sometimes we don't end up with what we require sometimes it's unexpected entirely unexpected uh sometimes you know you can see it coming uh, a mile away but uh, sorry to interrupt i disagree nick because actually you've given some different examples there but actually, it's a fairly limited number of examples, really, just in terms of options. Well, they, I, was, I was classifying what were regarded by this poll as the most iconic endings of all time. Yeah, no, but what I mean is is within the classification. Um, so you've got a choice of open versus closed, happy versus there sad. There were just some or... things I thought of that I thought, yeah, okay, do people prefer endings that are closed? No, but do I, they prefer I, endings that are happy? Sure. Do they prefer endings with a twist? And I would have thought, well, people are going to really like films that have a twist, gotcha. but a happy ending, and which give give all the answers. And it's not yeah, actually you can't the case. bottle it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but actually, also, there's another thing, which is, it's you've got to have a climax. Um, no film ever stops at the climactic moment okay you've always got to so that is definitely i think that's something regardless i can only think of one film where that doesn't happen which i'll come on to a moment but you've always got to have you know there's in in the story arc um you know someone starts high your main character starts high gets brought low series of struggles goes Mm. back up and something amazing happens like a marriage for example or a death and then there's a calm Mm. bit afterwards which i actually personally think i do think that mimics um human physiology and you know basically the having orgasms because well i mean more broadly our emotional responses to to conflict you know to crisis you've got to have a calm afterwards. well that the crisis builds we then have 
some difficult decisions to make and it is resolved you yes, know so that, exactly yeah. so you've always got to have that resolution because even though whether it's open or closed whether it's a twist whether it's not you've got to have that kind of quiet moment afterwards with the exception of i can only think of one film that doesn't do that and we any ideas it could be a number of things so perhaps i, I can only think of one but um monty python uh, the holy grail where famously i think they ran out of money didn't they Yes, and and I have to say, even though I know it's regarded, there is a sort of it's considered to be a fairly classic sort of end. It's very Monty Python to just end a film. I hate it because I really love the Holy Grail, and because um, you want a resolution, I really do. It really it does bug me that it just ends, and um, and I uh, you know I yeah so so that's you know I'll, I'll come clean and say I'm afraid boringly I would have liked. Like Life of Brian has a fantastic ending, mm. you know. Uh, Holy Grail ought to have ought to have done the same. I, I just think it deserved to have a proper ending where they they either get the Grail and something funny happens, or you know something should have should have resolved. But no, I don't think that's the only one. Actually, I mean, there, well, there oh. are there are certainly it's never usually as abrupt as that. But film I saw recently, The Birds, where you know they they you don't really find you know the the world is take, being taken over by birds and that's it you know and they you sort of don't even find out if they successfully escape oh is that the end I, i've yeah. not seen it in years the day so. the earth caught fire where you are not told what the outcome of the experiment designed to save earth is um there are things like the of course the bolivian army ending as it's known the the end of butch casting sundance kid where you don't you know the big climactic what you might think of as the climactic gunfight where you don't see it um Thelma and Louise where well I guess they died but uh or Inception or you know certain other ones like uh you know that you're not really we don't really know what the ending of The Shining or 2001 is in Blade Runner it's left you know we don't find out whether or not he's a he's a replicant and that seems to be important you know into interpreting what the ending means so I don't know I think I'm not sure it's not as cut and dried as all of the things need to be resolved I think there Either. is a kind of resolution. The resolution is just is just got a question mark. I do I do think you know, it is. Yeah. But um, before yeah, I Chris, guess I see what you mean. I mean, even in Blade Runner, the climax is actually the fight with um, uh, with the uh, what's his, the Roy Roy Batty, isn't it? And then and then mm. then that that is denouement is kind of left open. Yeah. Just Rutger Hauer running around in his pants. Yes. <laughs> just before you come in, Chris, I think also um, an ending um, which was famously I think I've not seen the film, but it was changed from the book to the film, I believe. Uh, Captain Crowley's mandolin, and actually, I do think that is quite unusual in that in that book. And I think it's, I think there are many things that contributed to the popularity of that book. But I think one of them is the ending. Actually, you talk about sweet sorrow, where um, where you have this longing where the t- two who are meant to be together, they just miss their chance, and they do get together right at the end of their lives. But it's not quite as as one would want yeah. it to be. I think and, it's quite unusual. I, 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 think, I think that sort of fits in. I, I mean, I'd kind of... There are obviously ending tropes, right? So there are, there are maybe factors you can cut across them, whether they're happy, sad, bittersweet, whatever. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd kind of just been coming up with a series of... Uh, ending tropes that i that i think exist uh, one of which being the twist the, you know the the classic twist like the usual suspects and and sixth sense uh blaze of glory like butch cassidy and the sundance kid um the kind of triumphant return uh where you know like lord of the rings or rocky where they go up and down and then they win at the end you know and it's a sort of triumphant return um like a sacrifice ending so something like um tale of two cities where uh Sidney Carton you know puts his head on the block you know for his um uh, in substitute of of somebody else 
then you have kind of redemption stories, which I think are similar to Sacrifice, like Star Wars. You know, the 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 end of Star Wars is really about Darth Vader's um, redemption. Um, and then frustrated love stories like you were talking talking about, you know, Gone with the Wind, Casablanca, where it's not unrequited love, but it's um, it's it just not satisfactory. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the you know the cliffhanger, so where you don't really necessarily find out what's good, like like um, like the thing, uh, or literally the Italian Job, where oh, where they're, yeah. they're you know are left hanging off a off off a cliff. Um, and then you've got sort of comeuppance kind of endings like Wolf of Wall Street or uh, or Doctor Faustus, um, uh, those kinds of things. So I think there are there are while you might not be able to um, uh, sort of produce a formula for what what a good ending is, there are definitely there's definitely a sort of suite of options to. You, to well, you didn't cover the classic riding off into the sunset, which yeah. I have to say I love. I mean, yeah, the no, end no, of exactly. The, uh, the um the Holy Grail, where yeah. the uh, sorry the uh, Indiana Jones and the and yeah the Holy I think Grail. I, I did I so I, what did I the think of that I think I, mean. I called that something like uh, oh unknown the unknown right. ending like so the cla- uh, another classic being the road um you know where the the father the book at least I haven't seen the film but the, where the father dies and the the son kind of you know looks like he might be okay might not we don't know Mm. um so so yeah i think uh, and you know whether there's anything in those different types of of ending which people keep coming back to because they deliver some kind of satisfaction whether there's something in those which you can unpick to say ah well that's why we why we like those things i'm not i'm not sure about but Mm. um, okay so where where we got to we like a story right that's where we've got to um I feel like we made more progress than that, but uh, yeah, you carry on. Well, no, that's all I had to say. <laughs> I mean, I, all I think, you know, humans like a story. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure we've talked about this before in a podcast, but well, I, I, it's so, where we get into religion as well and things like that. Yeah, but well, anyway. right, so re- religion is stories, right? You know, we use stories for, like, history myths. You know, America is, is not the story of um, of a, a country which was founded by by slave owners and uh then you know genocidal expansion it's it's one of you know st- the the country of the free that that turns out all right yeah. um so we you know we use stories to get across those those ideas and the endings are critical because they give a sort of value to them but i think if you take it outside of of that and you look at things like even just like our jobs doing analysis right when it when you do some analysis and then you present it to your customers you're effectively telling them a story you know when you do data visualization you're using bits of data to to put together a narrative about things and so actually thinking about the satisfactory conclusion of that is key to getting people to do something about it because stories are there to make people act they're there to make people be better or to not wander off into the woods on their own right um so yeah i mean but it's one of those things where the more you think about it and this is something i know people think we probably overthink very commonplace aspects of everyday life but um why do we still why do we want it to be packaged as a story uh rather than as facts like would why why am i going to learn more by hearing a story about someone getting eaten by a lion than i will from merely being told well there have been three fatal lion attacks the last three months if if it's adaptive then i would expect to want to really demand that no but but we just prefer 
strongly prefer to have a story. Yeah, no, but I think the reason why it's emotions. That's I mean, one of the ways we learn is through emotions. No, that's I, well, I see. I've just, but what Chris but, said has made me think of something. Your your thing doesn't answer the question because the question is why would we feel those emotions about about? Oh, um, okay, you sorry. Know. Yeah, go on then. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, which is about information about with a narrative. So, so we're not obviously when we when we're doing analysis, I like to think as to our customers that it's not fictional. Mm. Uh, but uh, but it is a way. It is absolutely the case that you are trying to tell people what the things you've done and looked at mean. Um, ultimately, in terms of something they have to do. And and I think I I wonder if there's an argument to be made that stories that narratives are a way of compressing information, you know, particularly where the narratives are able to hang on certain, um, you know, tropes. So uh, you know, if you're able to say, okay, well now you need just need to understand this story, you need to download your uh, concept, your pre-existing concept of the good guy. That's Luke Skywalker, and we need the kind of rogue. That's that's Han Solo, and we need the evil uh, mastermind. That's you know the Emperor. So it, to understand this story, well, that's fine. We, we've already got all the ingredients. So that is much easier than showing me. Um, is just show me Luke Skywalker being a nice guy and trying to help out and doing things that are a bit against his interest because he feels it's his duty. Um, don't, I'd, otherwise, it would take me a long time, a lot of exposition of his day-to-day life for me to get that, to understand that. Yeah. So I wonder, if, I wonder if actually the whole point of stories is that they are, enable us to compress information, to compress yeah, yeah, data yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in a way that just enables us to learn stuff more easily thought nice know. yeah no um, I, th- I think that, i think that is um that is an interesting point that you, you you literally just hook into the tropes and down download those those units but i think there's also definitely something about the memorability and the resonance of the story that is possibly tied to to emotion you know it's like that that quote about you know one death is a tragedy but a million deaths is a statistic mm. and um there's something about uh empathizing and imagining ourselves as the the statistic that uh makes us more likely to act upon we trick ourselves into thinking that data is about us and therefore we need to act accordingly as opposed to it being outside of us and external to us yeah and i think of course that's why screenwriters you know hate they don't they hate dealing with abstract topics because they're boring you know, you can't show someone the Second World War. You can show someone a guy in the Second World War and the difficulties that he faces, whether it's Churchill or a soldier, you know. Just need to finish this off. Um, I think that was quite nice, but we need to finish this off very quickly. Let's turn this on its head for a moment. Either um, your favourite beginning to um, a book or a film or any story or something that happens in the middle of a story. Well, I can tell you my favourite beginning, and it's actually a, a sort of genre of beginning. Um, it's the beginning of any Sherlock Holmes story. Uh, I mean, for me, Sherlock Holmes is like a, just the, the comfiest jumper you've ever owned. You know, you're suddenly you're back there in the late 19th century with the fire in the grates and Sherlock Holmes smoking his pipe and reading the paper and, you know, uh, and Dr. Watson's dropped in and they're having a chat about what's going on. And then there's a knock at the door and you know that the adventure has just turned up and it's going to be someone who's, you know, embroiled in a scandal or has lost a diamond or who's, you know, who's being accused of murder. And the, all the excitement is yet to come. And, and it's really nice. The same, you get just the same beginning every time. And it's just, that's what you want. 
I would hate it. Imagine if he was trying to be innovative. It would be awful. It's it's the similarity of every single story is so nice. And then you know you're, you're off. It's like, you know, you, you, you're at the same station, but you've got a different destination to but go the, to. But the setup to an adventure is always the best yeah. bit. Lord of the Rings. I love the stuff where they're faffing around in the prancing pony yeah. and wandering around just the waiting. Call, for... The call to adventure. Yeah, no. Mm. Yeah. Um, is that your answer, Chris? Or? Uh, no, no. I think my. Um, I, I, I mean, I've. I, you've got to go a long way to be a tale of two cities, and you know, it was the be- it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. You know, the the uh, season of light, the season of dark. You know, so on and so. Forth. I, I just think that sums up our times to today and of of every age. Yeah. So I think that's brilliant. And I also, you know, I also think the the um, ending to the to the story is is. Uh, is amazing as well you know where he says it's a far far better thing that i do than i've ever done you know as he as he walks up to the to the guillotine it's a far better rest that i go to than i have ever known uh and and so i think in terms of bookending a story that's pretty bloody impressive yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. Uh, i'm gonna go for something that's are you gonna go for the emoji movie <laughs> I only go for something that happens in the middle of a film and actually it's just uh, I've always liked this bit in this film and I've seen this film probably 20-30 times but it's, maybe it's in my head because I was watching it with my children only recently which is in, in, in Life of Brian Monty Python's Life of Brian where um, uh, Brian is running up the stairs of a half built what turns out to be a half built tower and he falls off he's being run, he's running away from the Romans I think and as he as he, as he falls down <laughs> And it's very Terry Gilliam. Um, a spaceship suddenly flies out from the middle of nowhere, and he finds himself in the middle of a space chase battle, and then gets after that gets dropped. Yeah, right it, back it exactly the same spot. I know. No, it's fantastic. That. It's just, uh, it's just as a wonderful. kind of meta joke as well about about writers sort of writing themselves out of difficult situations. You know, right, yeah. come yeah, up with yeah, the most yeah. absurd Day ways. Okay, well, so talking of happy endings, um, here we've 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 come to one. Um, so thank you as always for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew, been here with Chris Rag and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>